0: great is the lord our god it is great to see you here this evening thank you for your presence those of you who are online those of you who are present with us today we are just as excited in the evening to worship our god as we are in the morning and we thank him for his grace let's please go to god in prayer great heavenly father we praise thank you we praise your name and hallow your name, for you are magnificent and mighty. In the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. You've always been and you will always be. Thank you for recognizing us. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus, your great Son, who died that we might live. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we have to worship you. Thank you for your written word so that we might be able to serve you without confusion. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you do, for all that you've done, and for all that you will do. These things we pray in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. Acts chapter 17 tonight. Hallowed be thy name. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And that prayer started out, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Tonight I want to talk about that for just a moment. The prayer begins by addressing the merciful Father. God, the Father, the Preserver, the Provider, the Sustainer of the entire universe, has granted the human race His grace and His mercy. In Acts 17, in verse 26, the Bible says, And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, For we are his offspring. Psalm 103. He adopted children in the New Testament through baptism. The old man that died and rose has been adopted by God and recognized by God and become one of his children. And we recognize God. We recognize God as the source of all power and the solution, the only solution to every problem. Psalm 103, beginning at verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens, excuse me, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And yet the father has shown pity to his children. Without limitation, He has brought to us His matchless grace. It is an unspeakable privilege to be able to address the Almighty God personally and to be able to call Him Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Father, the recipient of our prayer. Father implies intimacy, this relationship that we have, this personal relationship with our God. The relationship with our Father is a relationship with the sovereign creator of the universe and the judge of all mankind. Father. Psalm 103 in verse 15, the Bible says, As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant, And who remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. And his sovereignty rules over all. What is it that we desire? Turn to Acts please. uh, Chapter 17. We desire mercy and compassion. From our compassionate and merciful God. Our Father who art in heaven. That's his dwelling place. Heaven. And as we approach God in the heavenlies in our prayer, I want to talk for just a moment or two about our attitude in that relationship to him or towards him through prayer. First, verse 46 of Acts 7. And David found favor in God's sight And asked that he might find a dwelling place for God, the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and earth is the footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or, what place is there For my repose, was it not my hand which made all these things? The desire of God's children, turn to Job chapter 40, is the opportunity, the opportunity to enter into the very presence of our God. Think about that for just a moment. When we pray, We are literally asking God to allow us to enter into His presence. And so when we pray, we must have this attitude of reverence and respect and submission as we approach the throne. You know, what would be, maybe what would be good for us is we ought to go back if you have time, if you don't remember this. And look at how in, in old days when there was a king, how humans, mere humans, although the king was a human, how humans would approach that throne. And the level of respect they showed the king. And they didn't just run into the king with expectations. They didn't just approach the king. They waited until they had the approval of the king. They requested to enter into the presence of the king, who was unapproachable without invitation. We'll look back at that in just a moment. Job, he had some words for God. I mean, throughout his suffering, he wondered, God, why? God, what is going on? What have I done? And you know, throughout the book of Job, God never gives Job an answer. Because we don't question God. God does what he feels is right or knows is right, God does his will. It is not up to the clay to question the potter. And so God never gives Job an answer. Instead, what God does do is reprimand Job for some of the things that Job says. You know how we say, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this. Well, I'm going to talk to God about that. I don't think so. I think we ought to just rejoice (laughs) that we're there. So God says to Job in chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, Then the Lord said to Job, Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to thee? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer even twice. I will add no more. In other words, what Job realizes is this. When you enter into the chamber room of God and the Almighty is before you, we realize our true insignificance. We realize the power of the greatness of God. And what we're asking this great Almighty God to do is to allow us to enter into His throne room or His presence in our prayer. The very name of God is too wonderful and too glorious even for human words. When we pray, there's an order in our prayer. Romans chapter 1. The order in our prayer that, that the world just doesn't understand is we don't just go to God. In order to speak to God, we must have or our prayers, if you will, through the Holy Spirit delivered to God. We must have the stamp of approval or the authority for those words to enter into the chamber room of God. And that's through Jesus Christ. Romans 1 and verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. I thank my God through Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2. In other words, there is no way that a prayer will ever go to heaven if it does not go through Jesus Christ, by the authority of Jesus Christ our Lord. So we begin our prayer, and we end our prayer, if you will, in the name of Jesus Christ to the Father. First Timothy 2 and verse 5, here's the reason. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We need a mediator. So the Holy Spirit takes our words, carries them, in, and translates them in a language beyond ours, Uh, for the Father, but it's through and by the authority of Jesus Christ. And that is the reason the Bible makes it clear that only His children can pray to Him. In John 14, Jesus makes it clear by saying to us in verse 6, He said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. So we're asking God, turn back to Esther please, chapter 4, we're asking God to allow us to enter into His chamber room, to enter into His presence. It is the request, Father, may I enter into Your presence as we begin our prayer. May I enter into Your throne room. And in that throne room, we must remember that as Moses stood on the mountain and spoke to the Father, he spoke to Jesus Christ through the burning bush, that words came from the Godhead that said, Remove your sandals, for the place in which you stand is holy ground. There has to be a certain attitude that we must display when we approach the throne room of our God. In that room, we must remember that the place that we stand, the heart that we bring to Jesus, is going to and through a holy ground. Not just any old prayer, not just any old words echoed from our mouths, but words that are echoed from our mouths that are full of reverence and respect for the holy and awesome God. We're standing in the presence room, the presence chamber of the great creator, the preserver and ruler of the entire universe, who possesses all power and all authority, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Approaching the throne of God must be treated with the utmost reverential level of respect and homage and more than than what's given to humanity, right? So let's look quickly um, at, at how they approached uh, the attitude, if you will, of approaching the king. Just in the book of Esther, just for a moment, uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, the Bible says, and Hathak came uh, came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther. And then Esther spoke to Hattak and ordered him to reply to Mordecai, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court, who is not summoned, he has but one law that he put to death, unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter, that he may live and have not been summoned to come to the king for these thirty Days. She says, I have not, excuse me, I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. So there's but one law, but one law that you cannot just run into the presence chamber of the king. Even his wife could not just run into the presence chamber of the king unless he's welcomed. In Esther 5, in verse 1, now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's room. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance of the, to the palace. And it happened when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court. She obtained favor in his sight, and the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top, Now, I know that that's just paying homage to a king. But I want you to think about that idea that God has displayed for us through humanity of how we approach not just the king, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Our Father, turn back to forward to Revelation chapter 4, please. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be your name. That means the name of God is set apart from any other name. God is to be hallowed, for God is holy, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we are approaching our God who is full of holiness. We must do so with the utmost fear and reverence in our hearts. Revelation 4 and verse 5. And from the throne proceeded flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, it were like a sea of glass, like crystal, and the center of the throne And around, four living creatures full of eyes in the front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion. The second creature like a calf. And the third creature had the face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings full of eyes all around and within, day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Holy, holy, holy. In uh, In the Greek, hagios. Holy. In the Hebrew, kadosh. Holy. God is holy. Chapter 15. When we go to a holy God, he is separate from this universe, from this world. Our conversation must be uniquely different when we speak to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Verse 2, And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those Who had come off victorious from the beast, and from his image, and from the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of gold, of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are thy works, thou King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord And glorify thy name, for thou alone art holy. For all the nations will come and worship before thee, for thy righteous acts have been revealed. God is holy. Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah was approached, he recognized something about himself And that was that in the presence of holiness or in the presence of this amazing angel, the seraphim that flew before him, he recognized the separation between himself and what is holy. The seraphim at this time, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. You see, there's this level of humility that must possess our minds when we go to God in prayer. As the seraphim flew, the Bible says in Isaiah 6 and verse 3, And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. God, the glorious God, the Lord of lords and King of kings. When you enter into the presence room of God, what kind of attitude do you possess? Let's turn to Habakkuk, chapter 2. What kind of attitude do you possess? Do you have an attitude of serenity where you surrender to God, where you recognize that you are but dust and God is holy? And we're begging him, we're in his begging place, begging our God to even listen to us. And then we are amazingly thankful to God that He heard us. That He listens to this mere mortal man. Thank you, God. For God is in His separate place. His holy palace. He is beyond this universe. God is transcendent. And the Bible says, But the Lord is in His holy place. Let all the earth be silent before Him. I want to look back at verse 18. Verse 18 says, what prophet is there, is the idol when its maker has carved it or an image, a teacher of falsehood for its maker trusts in his own handiwork when he fashions speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a piece of wood, awake. To a dumb stone, arise. And that is your teacher. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all inside it. But the Lord is in His holy temple. that all the earth be silent before Him. God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, Be your name separate, separate from all else. Turn, please, to Psalm 46. The idols that Habakkuk spoke of were dumb idols. Of course, they cannot speak. But God is a God and the only God. And the only God who speaks, who hears, who listens to us. God is in His separate place. He is separated from all else. God is holy. And when we go to God in prayer, there has to be a transformation of the mind where we step away from the world for just a moment and we beg God to allow us to enter into His holy room into His holy chamber before His throne. And we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, we recognize the sanctity and separateness of Your name and of You. Psalm 46 and verse 10. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God. Separate. 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 Our God. From all things. Seen and unseen. For there is but one God. And He is a mighty God. And when we approach our God in prayer, it's as if to say, remove your sandals for the place in which you stand is holy ground. Our Father, who art in heaven, separate and apart from all else, hallowed be your great An amazing name. Psalm 136. As we read when Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he said that he knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, he does not know. But this man spoke, he he heard words that were unlawful for man to speak. God is beyond us. We must recognize it. Psalm 136 beginning at verse 1. We think about this. Prayer is a response to God for what He has done. And we are grateful for what He has done and what He is doing and we are, we are, we are saying in our prayer continually, thank you God, thank you. Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His loving kindness is everlasting give thanks to the god of gods for his loving kindness is everlasting give thanks to the lord of lords for his loving kindness is everlasting to him alone who does great wonders for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who made the heavens with skill for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And the moon to rule by night, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Turn to Colossians, please. Chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. For his loving kindness is without question, unexplainable, undeserving. It's because God is who God is. And we thank Him for that. In verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruits in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Thank you, God, for qualifying our works. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is a qualified work, right? It's not that we love any better than the world. It's not that we are any better than the world, necessarily, in our works. But it's that our works are qualified and sanctified by our great God. I close with you this evening in First Corinthians chapter 15. And it is because of this gospel, the plan of God, that humanity is saved. That's how we were saved. You know, we um, uh, cannot come up with a better plan, or a different plan. And I know the churches today are becoming more and more progressive and where do we have that authority? We, we just have, to, we just have to, to realize that the same gospel that saved about 2,000 years ago is the same gospel that's saving today. It's no different. It's as if God has changed. When I was in the world, I believed that. I was taught that. I was told that God changes with the times. So then God understands why we live the way we live and do the things that we do. And they are acceptable. Because God is progressive and God changes. And yet, when you read the scriptures, God says, I change not. Worship doesn't change, brethren. God doesn't change just because we change or because we want it. We have to remember God is separate from this world. And if God wanted change, he would have brought it. And he did in Jesus Christ our Lord. The gospel is still the same message, beginning at verse 1 of First Corinthians chapter 15. Now make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what is also received, that Christ died for our sins according To the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures. The gospel. And we are thankful to God. For the saving grace. Of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Today. We encourage you. To be buried with Christ. In the waters of baptism. To be raised with him. By the power of of his glory to surrender your will to him. If you are a member of the body of Christ and you would like prayers made in behalf of your behalf, let it be known to us. Contact us and we will not only pray with you and for you, but do all that we can to help you and assist you in the ways that are necessary. The lesson is yours. If you need help in any way, please Make it known to us. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you for your time.